You may be seated. For one more reading from the richness of God's holy word. A reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what is seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The word of the Lord. If you happen to be sitting up close, and because most of you are Episcopalians, you're not sitting up close, but if you were sitting up close, you could see in our St. Mary's Chapel an, a striking array by Cheryl Dunning of 49 candles. 49 candles today and 49 names that we will read today in the prayers of the people. 49 candles, 49 names to honor the memories of 49 lives lost in an unspeakable act of violence two years ago this coming Tuesday. It's been a hard two years, and there's been a lot more to lament in the world in general, but even specifically when it comes to mass murders. Fifty-eight in Las Vegas, Nevada. Twenty-six in Sutherland Springs, Texas. Seventeen lives taken in Parkland, Florida, and 10 in Santa Fe, Texas. 160 lives just blown away in the last two years. Not to mention the grief that survivors have to live with. Their family and friends of the victims. Law enforcement officials and first responders who had to see horror that no training could prepare one for, and medical personnel 
having to deal with trauma that no training could prepare one for. And city officials under the looking glass, communities and neighborhoods in need of healing. Lord, have mercy. It's fitting that these candles would be in the St. Mary's Chapel for the promise that stands is that her offspring would bruise the head of the great divider, the serpent, the lord of the demons, the lord of the flies, the accuser, the enmity maker who brought alienation and destruction and guilt and shame into this world as we read this morning from Genesis. And then the stained glass windows that proceed from that chapel and wrap around you in clockwise fashion portray vignettes of the woman's offspring, son of God and son of man, doing what today's gospel reading calls binding the strong man, even when people thought he was crazy, binding the strong man, for over the course of his life among us, Jesus Christ gives mothers and fathers back their dead or lost sons in promise that death's power to divide is not final. He gives back sight to the blind, legs to the lame, in promise that infirmity and disease do not have the final say over our bodies. The glass tells the story of his assertion of his control over storms in promise that nature will not always be destructive of human life. And the windows tell the story of his blessing a wedding and a little Galilean town named Cana in promise that enmity in the most intimate of relationships that began in the garden will not last forever and need not exist now. Then, as we move around the building and up towards the front, he stretches out his arms of love on the hard wood of the cross. And as Paul will say in just a few verses past today's reading, he becomes sin for us, taking into himself every bullet, every knife wound, every, every wounding word, every drop of poison, every toxic taunt, absorbing every bit of human guilt and shame, taking on every cancer, every broken bone, every broken heart, every crushed spirit, every dashed dream. And then, contrary to all expectation, despite the fact that it is precisely what he said would happen, he rises. But more, to put it in Paul's terms from today's epistle, as Jesus was raised, so will we be raised. To repeat, death's power to divide is indeed not final. 
Infirmity and disease indeed do not have the final say over our bodies. Nature will not always be destructive of human life. And enmity between intimates that began in the garden will indeed not last forever and need not exist now. Now look, the Apostle Paul who writes these things is no Pollyanna. No sentimental romantic. In this very letter, he writes of his shipwreck, of his receiving the 39 lashes. That's the Jewish punishment of death minus one lash. He writes of his depression. Nonetheless, because Christ is risen, he can contrast in our passage. Oh, read it and luxuriate in it a temporary light weight of sufferings versus a permanent weight of glory. Minoring on the things that are seen, majoring on the things that are unseen, recognizing that while our, what he calls literally, our outer man is undergoing corruption, nonetheless, what he calls literally, our inner man is experiencing renewal day by day an earthly tent that we inhabit now will be replaced by a building from God to come later. And as a result, he can acknowledge in this very context, the few verses before, yeah, we're afflicted in every way, but you know what? We're not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted and chased, but not forsaken. Struck down, literally thrown down, but not destroyed. Friends, I think everybody wants to believe that. And that's why the self-described atheist and wonderful cartoonist, Pia Guerra, can't help but memorialize the heroism of one of Parkland's heroes. The assistant football coach, Aaron Feist, who was shot and killed when he interposed his own body between Parkland's murderer and a bunch of his students. He was shot and killed. And I think it was that very night, Ms. Guerra found herself with an image in her mind that she just had to put down and then posted it online. In, in this picture, she imagines a freckled-faced little girl standing in front of a large crowd who have gone before and are facing us, walking towards them, away from us, is a, is a large man. The little girl reaches out her arms and says, Come on, Mr. Feist, so many of us want to meet you. Ms. Guerra's instincts are so good. May you know the truth 
of the real welcome by Jesus and his host that really does await. But then, not only may you know that truth for yourself, but may you take the lead of the Apostle in his little quotation from Psalm 116, verse 10, in the first verse of today's epistle, I believed and so I spoke. So many today wish with Ms. Guerra that they could believe. But in an age of skepticism, cynicism, of cool, of distance, doubt and understandable mistrust of authority. They don't think they can. And sometimes all they need to know is that you do. Believe, friends, and so speak. You never know when someone may be just waiting to be enchanted, maybe even despite themselves, by all that is on offer in the good news. Jesus has been raised by the Father and will raise us up with Him as well, out of death into life, out of despair into hope, out of wishful thinking into faith, and out of loneliness into the welcoming arms of love himself to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think to ask to him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and forever amen